Thomas Shields is the creator of The Dink. And The Dink is a pickleball media company that has blown up over the past two years, like the sport. So in this episode, you'll learn why pickleball has become so popular, why Tom Brady and Gary Vaynerchuk and Kevin Durant are buying teams, and how Thomas actually played pickleball with Kevin Durant. You'll also learn why he feels guilty when he does nothing and what it's like to build an up-and-coming media company. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think you will as well. And if you do enjoy it, share it with a friend. This podcast is brought to you by My First Million. My First Million is a podcast by two of my favorite creators and entrepreneurs, Sam and Sean, and they discuss the latest on business and technology. And Thomas's company is actually was actually created by listening to a My First Million episode and saying, oh, that's a pretty good idea. So Thomas has been shouted out on My First Million and his company. So check out My First Million wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe you'll become the next pickleball media company. Thomas, thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm really grateful to for you to be here because I met you at a a, a dinner that was hosted by the one and only Jonathan Barshop. Yep. And I was like, oh, this dude's pretty cool. This dude's building something sweet and I'd love to learn more about it. So mm -hmm. this is me learning more about it. Yeah. So thanks for being here. Yeah, definitely. No, um, great to be here. The other person or one of the other people at that dinner was Ben Levy and they just announced their... Uh, sale of milk road today did yeah. you see that yeah milk road getting sold or acquired pretty incredible yeah. zero to two hundred fifty thousand subscribers readers way better than than we're doing in a <laughs> much shorter time frame so trying to take some notes from from what they built yeah well i admire how much you keep your eye on the business world in addition to being full-on in, in pickleball world yeah. because that's yeah. like two jobs in and of itself for sure but why don't you start us off with like all right what got you into starting a pickleball media company yeah uh man where do i where do i start so my big thing was like i just wanted to start something mm. and like you i listened to my first million a lot kicking around ideas small businesses side hustles a newsletter always kind of piqued my interest good writer uh, I think I can create a good voice. And uh, so it was actually, I had that concept before I decided what the topic was. And I started just kind of like looking around and being like, well, where's there a gap? And uh, my family was obsessed with pickleball. I could see there was a little bit of momentum and not a lot of good content out there. And I was like, all right, pickleball it is. So I, I just started writing a newsletter like um, one day and uh, very quickly just realized, okay, there's a real appetite for this, tons of passion within the space. And from there, it was like, let's just keep growing the subscribers, keep publishing, and let's build out the next channel. Let's launch an Instagram. Oh, that worked. Let's get on Facebook. Oh, that, that works too. Uh, let's spin up a podcast. Let's start writing blogs. And uh, so it was just kind of like the next thing and the next thing. And uh, I really, I, I think we were just scratching an itch something that had a lot of momentum behind it and still has a lot of momentum behind it, which is the sport of pickleball. I mean, you know, yesterday we announced that 
Patrick Mahomes, Naomi Osaka, and Nick Kyrgios acquired a, a major league pickleball team. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, every week there's like new, uh, crazy news coming out about, you know, somebody else trying to just capitalize on the, on the growth. So it's exciting place to be in right now. Why is pickleball taking over the world like this? Yeah. Um, a lot of people ask that question. There's some generic answers. I, I think if we were to really simplify it, it's like, okay, have you played? Twice. Yeah. Anybody can go out there and have fun, whether they've played or haven't. It's a great equalizer where I can play with my grandpa. My grandpa can play with my cousin who's, you know, 15 years younger than me. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how big you are. It doesn't matter whether you're like a band geek or, you know, a jock athlete. Like anybody can play pickleball and have fun and be competitive at the same time. And so I, I think it just like grabs onto people. Um, and the learning curve, like it's, it's really nominal. You can, you can pick it up pretty quickly and get pretty good. Um, and yeah, like, you know, the barrier to entry, it's pretty much nothing. Like you just need chalk. You don't even need a net. You can just put up like, you know, some sort of makeshift barrier and then you order hundred dollar ball and paddle kit on Amazon for your family. Right. So, and then it's not just people who have enjoyed it tremendously. Now it's like getting to be a professional sport. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it's like famous athletes are mm -hmm. now buying up teams like it's nobody's business. Gary Vaynerchuk buys a team. Yeah. Tom Brady buys a team. Kevin Durant, LeBron, right? Yeah. Like, what's going on there? Why are why are so many athletes and business people finding a business opportunity there? I don't know. Um, I saw a piece today where it was like the athlete owner hmm. is in full swing. I don't know who wrote that. Uh, but it's not just happening here. Like KD invested in a volleyball league. Um, a bunch of big name athletes just invested in this like pro cycling league. Uh, Major League Cricket just raised a massive round. And so if you're going to raise money to try and build the next big sport, who better to invest than athletes who, you know, have been at the highest level and now have that nest egg and they're retired and, you know, they're in Like, it just makes sense. Um, but pickleball specifically, like I think... There's a lot of mainstream, it's almost like, it seems like propaganda, <laughs> <laughs> like touting pickleball is like this amazing thing. And uh, so I think there's just like a lot of buzz around it right now. And that also is kind of uh, what sparked, you know, Kevin Durant, LeBron, Brady, all these other guys to, to get involved. I think they're just trying to capitalize on something that's like super popular and hot right now. Yeah. And so then you took pickleball and that was your original focus. You mentioned like how you were building it out to different yeah. avenues. Mm -hmm. And then now you're creating something way bigger. That's not just about pickleball. Yeah. Well, we're trying to. What, what, what is that? <laughs> we're trying to raise money for it right now. Uh, it's upswing sports. So basically we want to take our model, simplify it a little bit and apply it to other emerging sports markets. So ideally I'd like to be on the forefront of whatever the next pickleball is. Mm -hmm. uh, so in my opinion, I think that's probably Padel, disc golf, cycling, uh, cricket, as I mentioned. I think those are going to be big. Padel, what, definitely. What, what's Padel? Dude, it's awesome. You, if, uh, if you haven't seen Padel, go on social media and find the highlights. It's insane. It's like mini tennis, kind of like pickleball, mixed with like racquetball because it's in a big glass cage and you can play it off the wall. You can play it outside of the cage. So there's these like crazy highlights where, I mean, you're in like a box, like 
nobody can see, but like, you know, you're, you're boxed in, yeah. but there's a tiny door. So like midpoint, people will run out of the door, like around <laughs> outside and like hit it back in. And it just makes for insane highlights. And I think it's exploding in like Spain and South America. And uh, I think it's next in like the first facility just launched in New York City. I think like Brooklyn. Uh, and I think it's kind of like the next big thing. But like right now, Pickleball's taking all the spotlight. So I think once Pickleball sort of subsides a little bit, uh, we'll start to hear more about Padel. And so you said Padel and then what other sports are you trying to get into? Yeah, I like, you know, originally we sort of had like our five, but I think the way I'm thinking about it now is we're going to take it one market at a time mm. so that, you know, we're not, I don't know, putting our eggs in a few baskets when there's, I think, just a lot of different sports that could come in the next five years that we don't see right now. Mm -hmm. So why lock ourselves in? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I mentioned the, the few and then, I mean, you know, obviously like F1 is hot, like the UFC is really hot. I think the PLL lacrosse is really hot. Uh, the MLS itself is growing. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, really any sport that has momentum I think we can take what we did and just replicate it. But the way we're going to do it is we're going to start with newsletters because I, I think you can go get market share really quickly with newsletters. And then once you build a foundation, you can layer in other things like we did in Pickleball, which would be like podcast, blogs, social media, and, you know, potentially e-commerce, course, courses. I mean, you name it, right? Once you have a big audience, there's a lot you can do with it. How do you go about getting those initial thousand subscribers or 10,000 subscribers for your yeah. email list. Okay. I, there's a lot of pieces out there from like every new, everybody has a newsletter now. Uh, and they'll talk about how I went from like zero to a hundred and like, they'll do some thread and like blow up or whatever. So I, I've seen all those. One thing we did differently, I went into, so in pickleball specifically, there was this one Facebook group, the pickleball forum. And before we came along, that's really like the only place you could get news. And so for me, I was like, hmm, how do we tap into this? I made like multiple Facebook accounts. I actually hired a bunch of freelancers from like Fiverr to go and friend request everyone who is engaging with content in Pickleball Forum. And then once you're friends with them, you can invite them into a group. You can invite them to like a page and then you can DM them. And I would literally just DM uh, everybody. Like, I mean, thousands and thousands of DMs being like, yeah, you like Pickleball? we're spinning up this newsletter would love for you to subscribe. Wow. Yeah. We got a lot of people saying, can you like get out of my inbox right now? I have no <laughs> idea who you are. In fact, there was one pro specifically who was like, Hey man, I don't really appreciate your approach and the way you're coming at this. Fast forward to now, he actually hosts a podcast under our umbrella and we're like <laughs> great friends. So <laughs> yeah, we've come a long way. What other unusual tactics did you use in the early days? Was it just the one-to-one -one combat of so many people? For the first probably like 5,000 subscribers, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you must have sent tens of thousands of messages. Probably. Right? Like, Yeah. That's I mean, and you have to figure out, like, Facebook's going to restrict you. Same thing with email, right? Like, whether you're doing sales or you're trying to do something like, like you know, Google's eventually going to flag you and you're going to get shut down or your users are going to get suspended and you got to reactivate them. So you have to figure out kind of the nuances of the rules and you got to play by those rules, but push them to the limit. And, uh, you know, you just kind of like hack it, man. I don't, I think there's probably wit, a, a ton of other things that we could have done. Um, and so I think you just got to get like creative and go where the, go where your subscriber is. Yeah. Makes sense. Now 
going to you specifically, were you always interested in business since you were a young kid? Like, were there any hmm. signs that like, all right, this is something that I was going to do? Uh, maybe. Sold like hockey cards, got in trouble for selling hockey cards when I was in like elementary school. Uh, but in high school, I was like, I was more focused on like sports and just like being social. Hmm. I wasn't, it was just like kind of checking the boxes as far as being a good student goes. Um, in college, I would say like my sophomore year, I was interning at Thusio, which is a pretty cool company, but uh, my job description, I was able to like knock it out by the end of like, you know, the morning. Mm -hmm. So the whole afternoon I would sit there and be like, what do I do now? And uh, I read a book about Elon Musk at that time. And I was like, and I was also listening, I got a hold of the Investors podcast with like Stig Broderson and something. And I was like, I want to be, I want to be a day trader, right? <laughs> and so I opened up a TD Ameritrade account, bought Solar City and Tesla, which I sold. Uh, wish I held on. And um, so that was probably like the first time I was like, really like, okay, I want to do, I want to do something in business. I want to be entrepreneurial, and um, I want to be like Elon Musk, if you will, <laughs> right? Um, so, but yeah, I I don't think like if you were to ask my family. I don't think they would say I was like showing signs of entrepreneurship when I was younger. And Maybe the, they would. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'd be curious. Yeah. And then like, take me through prior to how old are you? Don't ask that question. <laughs> Usually it's to women who get upset. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just turned 30 yeah. like two months ago. So I'm sensitive still. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what were you doing? You started the dink in what? In the past two years? Yeah. It would have been two years ago last month. Gotcha. So what did you do between graduating and starting the dink? I was the worst investment banker of all time. <laughs> um, and most of my time in investment banking was spent thinking of ideas I could do so that I could leave investment banking. Um, and uh, one of those ideas actually, influencer marketing was really hot. It was like 2017 or 18 or something. And I was like, there's got to be a liaison I was pretty naive at the time. I was like, there's probably got to be a liaison between brands and influencers. There are, and there were, and there's plenty of them. But it was, to me, this novel idea. I was like, we'll be the go in between, or the go between guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started doing research. And um, this is going to be funny if he listens to this. I started doing <laughs> research and found this company, Coley, uh, which was essentially doing it as a software platform that connects brands and influencers and creators to generate like user generated content and influencer campaigns. Uh, and so I reached out posing as a potential investor saying, I'm an investment banker. And you know, I, I'm like a VC analyst on the side uh, just to like gather information. And uh, we did, it was like competitive research and um, we didn't end up like going with that idea. I say we, me and my buddy, uh, but I stayed in touch with that founder. And about a year later he had just closed around and was starting to hire. And I was like, I want to come work for you. And he was like, sure. And so I went and worked for him for two years. Uh, and I was living in New York at the time. And uh, yeah, working working full time. I was doing mostly like sales and a little bit of operations. Um, we went from like four to 50 employees. Um, and so it was good, good growth and a really great experience. But while I was working full time, I started writing the newsletter on the side got traction and was able to kind of like take the leap and go full time with it. Yeah, I want to circle back to the part about you 
being in investment banking because was there at what point did you realize like i can't do this anymore well i just hated it from now from the get-go from the jump yeah <laughs> so how many how many years did well, you i was spend? bad i was fundamentally bad at it um <laughs> <laughs> like i'm not like a super analytical guy um i'm more i would say i'm more like scrappy and i can just like figure things out right uh, but I was never going to become like an expert investment banker, right? I find this fascinating though, like when people hang on to do things that they don't like yeah. or actively hate or that they're just like, this is not me and that they still do it for how many years? Four? Three. Three, three years. How, how do you get yourself out of that if it becomes a cycle to do it for so often? Yeah. I mean, like all my buddy, like my best friend group at home, like, and a lot of my friends from home all went into investment banking and, um, you know, a handful of them are always like, you know, hit me up being like, like, I need to go find an opportunity I need to do my own thing, mm -hmm. but they are stuck in that cycle. And it's a great cycle to be in, by right. the way, like, right. making a lot of money. Right. Um, uh, and once you kind of get out of the analyst phase, you can kind of, you know, nobody's looking over your shoulder, you have autonomy and, uh, you, know, you make a great living. Um, so getting out of it, I don't know. I, I think you, you have to be naive. I'm definitely, I definitely have a good degree of that naivety. Um, and you have to have a risk tolerance and eventually you just have to kind of go for something. Right. For me, I started something on the side. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's probably a good way is like find something you think you could do and just start, start, try, mm. see what happens. Maybe, maybe there's traction. Maybe there's not. you Say, all right, that's a bad idea. And you go on to the next thing. Were there any bad ideas that you actually pursued that didn't end up actually going anywhere? Oh, yeah. Um, so when I say, I said we earlier, my buddy, we came up with so many business ideas. Um, one of them was we wanted to, I actually still think this is a good idea. We like, so I'm from Detroit basically you'd go like clean up a community, like pick up trash and stuff like that and then recycle it and create, you know, like bracelets and sell those. And it would be a way to kind of rep your city because uh, each city would be different, but also it would be like giving back to the community. Like, you know, it, there's a good cause behind it, like cleaning up the city. And then some percentage would have gone to, you know, cleaning up the city, right. Of, of each sale. Uh, so went and got like a heat gun from, I don't know, ACE, ACE hardware or whatever. Picked up trash off the ground, like melted it down, made a bracelet. Me and my buddy were super pumped about it. And we were, we were all was like, this is going to be it. And um, one time we were, we were like sitting on a flight with my dad. And uh, my buddy was like, pitch him, pitch him, pitch him. <laughs> and like my dad was like, pitch me what? And I was like, damn it. Okay, this is it. <laughs> and so I like brought out the bracelet and, you know, we did the whole thing. And he just like, you could just see in his eye. He was like, this is so stupid. And uh, we were like, damn, okay, maybe that's not it. Um, we had some other ideas. One was, one time I came, we were living together in Chicago. And I came home from work and my dress socks kept falling down. And I was like, this is really annoying. Sure enough, there are plenty of solutions for this, by the way. Like one, better socks. <laughs> like pick a different sock brand. But for us, we were like, okay, there's got to be a way to like solve this problem. And we literally like within an hour... I went upstairs, grabbed a pair of like my boxers, ripped them apart, pulled out the elastic waistband. We put some, like somehow figured out how to put like hooks on the end of it and like hook it from your sock up 
like your pant leg to your dress shirt. <laughs> and it was like this total piece of shit, like prototype. But we were like, this is it. Obviously, that was not going to be it. One thing we did have, one idea we did have, he had, his, his name's Max. And uh, Max Flannery. And he's actually the founder of a pretty um, fast-growing startup right now. He came to me with the idea for that startup and was like, hey, we want to put advertisements on the side of trucks. And, uh, so we actually ran with that for a little bit and, um, we found like a third co-founder and, uh, you know, we put together a deck. I think we built a website. Uh, but around that time was when I went to go work for Coley in New York. And so I just kind of stopped working on the business and they kept going with it. They've raised 6 million from like some pretty legit, uh, investors, probably ones that you've had on the podcast and, uh, they're doing really well right now growing growing pretty quickly so maybe i should have just stuck with that one <laughs> um but they're doing really well i'm doing my own thing and we're still like best friends he was here last weekend um so yeah there were other ideas too in between that were um much much worse <laughs> well when you say like i should have stuck stuck with them like i'm curious like what are you optimizing for in terms of what in life like right now what do you think you're optimizing for yeah um Good question. I think I just want to build something impressive. Mm. I don't know. I, I think um, for my family mostly. Um, yeah, I think a big driver for me is like, I just want to make my, my family proud. Um, my family is a family of entrepreneurs. And um, so maybe that's why I gravitated toward that route. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I just kind of will call the shots. I don't, I don't have to work for anybody. I don't want anybody over my shoulder. I want to run my own business and uh, I want to build something cool and impressive. And, um, you know, I want to constantly make progress, hmm. right? Like I never want to stagnate. So, yeah. It's interesting because you're also getting your MBA at the same yeah. time as building this business, which is, is actually something that Jack Rains is doing as well. Okay. Who's, a great Twitter follow and LinkedIn follow and was recently on the podcast. And I, I just found it interesting, like building your own thing, like being a creator, being an entrepreneur and also yeah, pursuing school at the same time mm -hmm. and getting postdoctorate degree. I, I just thought it was interesting because I never really viewed that as an option personally, but why do you decide to take that route? Cause I was in investment banking. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do where I was working at that startup. And I was like, this is great, but I like, I got to elevate, I got to do something. And an MBA made sense. Yeah. Um, a lot of people in my family, my dad went and got their MBAs changed their life. So for me, it was like, okay, that's something I can do right now. That's tangible. And I can take that step. So I started going down that route, you know, took the GMAT and all that stuff. Um, and, um, yeah, I, th I think when I took the GMAT, like it was like I took the GMAT and then two weeks later I wrote the first issue of the newsletter. Oh, wow. And so I started going through the application process and like, and, and while wow, the business is taking off. So if the business had grown a little bit quicker, I probably wouldn't have gone the MBA route. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm here, I'm going to, I'm going to see it through and, uh, we're, we're getting by. <laughs> Right, literally right before we started recording, I got the email that our grades came out. Like we just finished the semester. I think I got a 60 on our, on our marketing final, which is enough to, you know, lock in that beat. Is that passing these days? Yeah, well, for the final exam, because, you know, it's like 
of the you know so i'll, I'll probably get like a b in that in that class <laughs> um so uh yeah i when i see 60 that means pass <laughs> so i'm like hell yeah uh but i know um you know a lot of my classmates are like a's a's like they're they're there to like knock it out of the park mm. and do well and um you know i, I i'm not saying i'm like you know mailing it in by any means but sometimes particularly like when we're raising money right now it's really tough to manage um but other times it's really not so bad so yeah take me through like the difference between you and classmates when you're like you have something on the side or yeah. that is your full focus right and then a lot of other people i'm sure their full focus is being in school so like yeah well so i do the evening mba program gotcha all my classmates work full time so we all have that in common but they're all, you know, they're working in, you know, it's, it's UT, right? So a lot of them are in the, like, in oil. They University of Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's become, like, so common to me now. Yeah, UT, University of Texas. Um, at, or they work in tech or, like, consulting. They all have, like, really good jobs and impressive careers. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they, they work full time. And we're all kind of doing this at night hmm. uh, and on weekends. And so I think we all are of a similar mentality where sometimes it's more about just getting by than, um, you know, this obviously varies person to person. Um, you know, some people want that 4.0, gotcha. but, uh, you know, we're all, we're all kind of of that mentality of like, Hey, like, you know, we're working full time and putting in extra hours at, at night and in the weekends. So what about like the business taking off? Like, when was the moment you realized like, oh shoot, like we're actually onto something here? <laughs> I've had many moments like that. And then many moments where I go, ah, oh, damn it. What am I doing? Um, but I would say this past eight months maybe is when I kind of had like that real sigh of relief where we started to generate like good revenue. And, you know, we turned into a profitable business you know, now I have three full-time employees. And um, so I guess maybe you could say like only recently have I been like, this is okay, this is legit. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can really grow this thing and do something here. Uh, up until then, it was like, man, we got to figure out how to make this work. And, uh, you know, a lot of stressful times. Um, but, you know, as, as long as we kept growing that audience and building the, you know, that is that positive reinforcement you need to just kind of like keep going. And driving ahead um yeah what's the number one metric you're looking for in terms of audience or social or yeah. email like what's the number one thing you're like all right that is correlated to revenue in some way yeah we're an email company email yeah we're we're a newsletter at our core we're a publication uh lately our blog has really started to take off and do some cool things so we're leaning into that more monetizing that uh, better than we were previously. And I just brought on someone full-time to really help with that. Uh, but really it's the number of subscribers and, you know, open rates, click rates, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. And then like, take me through the, the moments of feeling on top of the world and the bottom of the ocean, you know, like what, where do you go to when you're like, this is so stupid. What am I doing here? Like what, this is not working. Like what, what is your, how do you get out of that place? Dude, I am the biggest subscriber to like 
cringy hu- hustle porn. <laughs> you know? Did not expect you to say that. Yeah. Dude, like uh, Instagram reel or like a TikTok of like, you know, there's like that one where somebody's interviewing Elon and they're like, do you like, are you ever, are you worried about failing? And he's like, there is no failing. There is just doing. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know, even though I know it's like, you know, and there's that like, cringy ass music playing but i'm like yeah 100 so i like to read a lot about like entrepreneurs i i read a lot of, like biographies um and uh i love listening to interviews like you know your podcast where you're interviewing people who have been been there done that and built something great that's really motivating for me um but yeah man sometimes like if i were to ever get a tattoo it would be the word autopilot Why? and autopilot to me means regardless of what's going on, like you just, you put that gear forward mm. and you just keep going and you just kind of block out the noise. You get tunnel vision. Mm. And um, so that's kind of been like an acquired skill for me where it's like, I don't really care what I'm feeling. Like there's things we need to do to keep building and like progress. And um, so, yeah, sometimes it's like put the blinders on head down work. Mm. It's funny because when you say autopilot, like to me, it, it reminds me of like not paying attention to what I'm doing. Just like, oh, like, but, but autopilot, it could also be like, I'm just going to work. Like, doesn't matter. Like, doesn't matter what the circumstances are. We're, right. This car is still going to drive forward. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Put it in gear and go. That's what you got to do. Yeah. What about the, the high moments? What have been some of the most exciting moments from yeah. creating this company um interviewing gary v was a cool moment um uh i got invited to host the live draft show at arthur ash stadium in um in new york city it's in queens um but you know hosting like a live show that was like the focal point of major league pickleball in the pickleball world where these these big name investors and I'm the guy they asked to go, you know, do the analysis and reveal the picks and stuff like that was really cool and exciting, and I was super super nervous. What were you nervous about? Shit in the bed on like live TV. <laughs> <laughs> was it broadcast on ESPN? No, it was like YouTube and yeah. maybe I, I don't know where else they broadcast it. Uh, but you know, it was like a whole studio set. And I mean, there were, there was like, you know, five guys, like I've got people in my ear and, um, you know, it was just like a high, like really bright lights, like a high pressure scenario. And, um, you know, so being asked to do something like that, I think is, is super validating. Uh, you know, played pickleball with Kevin Durant. Talking about a third shot drop, which is like, you know, a a shot you got to master in pickleball. Um, it was cool, man. It was just a really cool, uh, a really cool experience. You know, like the clip of me and Kevin Durant gets picked up by like Bleacher Report and House of Highlights. I'm like, this is sweet, right? Um, you know, there's no tangible like monetization to that moment, but it is a very validating and encouraging moment. And you have a lot of people reach out to you and uh, it's just like cool and, and exciting. Um, but 
The other thing I would say is when I open my QuickBooks and it's like, hey, we're going to be profitable this month. <laughs> like that's pretty awesome too. You know, watching money come is in come in is is a fun thing. How do you go about getting sponsors or getting yeah uh, revenue come in? Like, what does that process look like? Yeah, most beneficial thing I ever did was work in sales for that software company. Um, I think it opened my eyes to uh, how to go get on the phone with anybody and make a sale happen and bring money in the door. And uh, so for a while I was doing our sales, um, but I brought on Kim, who's phenomenal. She's our head of partnerships. She does all our sales now. Um, in fact, if I make a sale, she, I can tell she gives, gives it a side eye. She's like, oh, that's good. I'm like, <laughs> you know, she wants a commission, which I really actually appreciate. Um, but she kind of runs our sales process now. And, um, she does a really good job of like building relationships with the people that we work with. Uh, but also, you know, we as a company have just become really, really well connected in the space. Hmm. And so, uh, we do have a lot of like inbound where, um, you know, people come to us and say, we want to. We'll work with you guys. We'll spend with you and say, sweet. Love it. And at what point did it start switching from outbound to inbound? Like at what subscriber? It was, mark? it actually like was inbound mostly from originally. Yeah. Um, just because like, I think we were doing something really unique that wasn't in pickleball before just cultivating an audience of engaged people who open and read us every day or follow us on social. Mm. And um, so we've always kind of had that. Uh, but I mean, more of our revenue now is, is, is outbound. Um, but we do get to, um, rely on some inbound every month too. Hmm. And what do you think the opportunities lie for somebody listening? Who's like in the position you were in, in being an investment banker, let's say, and just not enjoying it. And they're like, all right, I want to do something yeah. that is going to be fulfilling and exciting. Like where should they be looking? Micro acquire. You just go shop for businesses. There's buy biz, buy biz sell, buy biz now or something. It's like another wet where you could buy like a local business, like an ice cream shop or, you know, like a repair shop. And like I, I am a firm believer that anybody, like if you have a college degree, and even people who don't have college degrees, um, if you're of decent intelligence, like you can run, you can start and run a company. You can. Hmm. Um, and it may not be the biggest thing in the world. It might be a nice little side hustle, but I, I do believe that if you are dedicating your time to building something, you're going to be successful. If you, you just put in the time and you like learn it and you don't have to know, like, I didn't know anything about what we're doing right now. Um, and it was just all acquired throughout the process. And so I think anybody can start a business. I really do. So what, what areas should they be looking at? Like what areas do you think are, are prime for growth in the next 10 years? Prime for growth. I don't know. That's <laughs> a question above my pay grade. <laughs> I, I actually, yeah, I'm not going to have an answer for you on that it's one. Fair. Yeah. You just got to investigate and figure it out. It doesn't have to be like a, you don't have to be on the cutting edge or something. Like, um, I think you could just go like, you know, take out a small business loan go like buy a, a small business. Mm. And just start running it. I think there's like a lot of mom and pop shops. Uh, people talk about like the transfer of wealth from, you know, boomers to, um, you know, they're retiring and there's nobody to take on their businesses. Like go acquire a business and apply to it uh, skills that that previous founder or CEO didn't have, which if you're like a millennial or younger is probably 
digital marketing and just being savvy online uh, and probably just having more hustle because you're younger than somebody who is sort of like, you know, been doing it for years and is kind of just going through the motions at this point. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I would just encourage people to look around, look at those, those websites just to get like inspiration. Um, and, uh, let's go for something. Mm. What are some of the things that most people wouldn't realize you did successfully to build your company that on the outside they might not be aware of. Yeah. Like running a sophisticated sales process, building a deck, customer success, essentially working with brands and make sure they're happy and building relationships. So you can see all the external stuff, right? You can see our follower accounts go up and, um, you know, we, we have a bigger audience. We're publishing more. Um, but yeah, what you don't see is the day-to-day grind of, you know, constant conversations with prospects to bring them in, into the funnel and then eventually get them to spend with you and hopefully spend the next month and the next month, right? Like, uh, making sure we're fulfilling deliverables. Um, you know, if we outline a partnership, that's social media, blog, podcast ads, newsletter placements, uh, giveaways or whatever, right? Like making sure we're, we're fulfilling our obligations to that brand and making them happy and doing, doing what we're supposed to do. Like that's the real day-to-day grind. Mm. Um, and yeah, you just, you just wouldn't have that insight unless you were you know, working for us. Right. How many pieces of content are you guys putting out every day? <laughs> Great question. Should I know that? Should I know the answer to that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Ballpark. We can pull it up, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. Instagram, like, TikTok, YouTube. Maybe like, I don't know, 15 or more pieces of content, maybe a day. But like that includes like tweets and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think we could be, we could be doing more. Mm. Uh, but we're small and scrappy. And a lot of our time has to be spent dealing with the our current customers, right? By customers, um, you mean brands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. because in a, in a way, the people who are <coughs> engaging with the content are not customers per se, but there are those are, are fans of pickleball and fans of the brand. Yeah, but in a way, you could think of them as customer potential customers if they're fans of the dink. Yeah, yeah, right. I guess there's like two. Yeah, there's there's like there's acquisition of subscribers and audience, and then there's acquisition of paying customers like brands. Right. Uh, so yeah, doing, keeping both of those sets of, of people happy. Um, and one thing we've been talking about lately is like, yeah, we have some people who are like really big fans of us and like the content that we put out there. So let's talk to them. Let's interact with them, you know? Um, and, uh, cause I, I think like the way we write and post our stuff, people feel like they're friends with us. Yeah. And I love that. Right. I love that. And I want to cultivate that. I don't want to let that fall by the wayside because we're distracted by other things. Right. Like, you know, um, so building relationships on both sides of the equation, I think is, is pretty important. And then when you think about expanding beyond pickleball, like why, why not just focus on pickleball itself? That's what we're thinking about. <laughs> a lot. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, a lot of the pushback we, 
we get from investors is uh, you're so well positioned in pickleball. Why not just go deeper? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Um, so there are some things that we're doing to uh, to go deeper into pickleball uh, and do more on the content side and potentially on the e-com side. Uh, so there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of different, a lot of different things going on right now as far as like ways we could take the business. Uh, so I am really excited about what's going on in pickleball specifically. That's awesome. And then like going to you, it's like, why are you doing all this? You said before, like, okay, like I want to make my family proud. Like mm-hmm. that's very important. But like at a deeper level for you personally, like why are you doing all this? Um, I actually was talking to my buddy yesterday, two days ago about this. Exactly. I was like, if I'm not making constant progress, I like, I'm like depressed. I'm like unhappy. Um, if I'm not even in like just general, like day to day life stuff, like if I'm not working out, like I run a lot, like I work out a lot, I eat healthy. Um, you know, I, I am trying to build a business here and do all these other things and like get my MBA. Um, if I ever slow down in one of those that where I just start mailing it in, like I'm legitimately unhappy. Mm. Uh, so for me, it's, it's just like, where does that unhappiness stem from? Dude, how deep do you want to get right Let's now? Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, and maybe there's going to come a time where I don't have as much energy. Hmm. And I can't, like, eventually you're going to plateau, right? Can't, you can't bench higher and higher amounts without yeah. taking steroids, right? Like, right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like, that's what causes sure. somebody to go down that path. It's like, all right, like, I just need to keep growing. Yeah. Um, and I don't think like growing or wanting to grow is a bad thing. I think it's an yeah. amazing thing. I just, when the unhappiness comes, when you're not growing, it's like there, yeah. it's possible for you not to grow this year. You know, that is a possibility. Right. So yeah. how do you still maintain some level of peace while that's going on? I think that's going to be something I'm going to have to figure out, right? Um, figure out how to just be content with what's, what you have, uh, versus always seeking to do the next thing. Mm. And sometimes I probably get ahead of myself, right? Where I'm like doing too much, maybe. Um, What's so. too much? Uh, well, a, a good example would be like, you were like, why don't you just go, why don't you just double down on pickleball as opposed to like try and build this way bigger thing? Mm. In some respects, maybe we should, right? Uh, you know, because we do have something here. So why get distracted and take our eye off the ball? Um in the niche that we're already so dominant to try and do this way bigger thing. Maybe we should just be content where we are and build that out versus try and go build this like massive sports publishing media company. Right? Mm. Um, so I go back and forth on that. Um, but uh, I don't know right now I am making a lot of progress in all these different areas and it's, it's, it's making me feel really great. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, super happy of late. So hopefully we just kind of keep that, keep that moving hell yeah so talk to me about like the running specifically and the i saw you i was going around ladybird oh yeah 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 yeah, right (laughs) just run into you yeah so um some of my classmates and i are uh training for the austin marathon so that's what i'm focused on right now so did you know like like i was doing 12 miles when i saw you did you know eight on monday and uh yeah i love running running's awesome um it's when i kind of have like my my best 
moments of like, you know, sometimes I'll be on a run and I'll have this like great idea. And I'm like, I got to get home. <laughs> you know, I got to start working on this now. So I think there's like clarity and, um, yeah, it just, uh, I don't know, running feel, I, I love, I love running. It makes me feel really great. I have great thoughts while I'm doing it and I just feel good about myself. Um, so yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite things to do. How do you balance it all? Like the running, the eating right, the NBA, the pickleball, like yeah. the playing, like. I don't think it actually, uh, yeah, I, I guess when you like list it, it sounds like a lot, but it, it doesn't seem like a lot to me, at least not right now. Um, I do still get plenty of time just kind of like sit down, do nothing. Um, and in some respects, sometimes I feel like, I feel like guilty um, that I'm not working on something or doing something um, that's like progressing either the business or myself. And so that might be, you know, part of the, one of the drivers is like this constant poke of like, maybe like anxiety of, of not progressing. Right. And you do get that like guilty feeling like there is always something I could be doing mm. to, to benefit one area of my life. And so I think I will now, Hey, listen, this is a good therapy session. Now I'm thinking about it. Like there's gotta be a time where you, you just kind of, you're, you figure out how to be content. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the the guilt, uh, some part of the guilt can stem from the understanding that life is precious. And it's like, we're given this opportunity. So like, let me make the most of it. But what I also often think about is like, sometimes we don't know where the next progress is going to actually come from. It could be doing nothing, mm -hmm. quote unquote, nothing, a great idea stems and you're like, oh, wow, like I got to go do that thing now, but it only came from sitting and doing nothing. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, take me through like, if you could have an ideal scenario, we're sitting here December, 2023, one year from now, what is the ideal for you? Changes by the day. <laughs> That's the crazy part about life, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you think you know what you want. Mm -hmm. And then a day later, you want something else with just as much conviction. Yeah. Shiny object syndrome, right? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, kind of the cliche line. Yeah. I suffer from that big time. Um, I was talking about that with, I never know how to say his last name. Nathan Bow. Do you know who that is? Yeah, I've only read his name on Twitter. I He's a big Twitter guy. Yeah, I wouldn't. He's like the storyteller guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we were talking about uh, exactly that. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's something you just have to be cognizant of and work on. Well, what was the conversation like? Um. Ask the question again. I need the question again. What was the original question? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just get so lost in what we're doing in the present moment. Yeah, that's how I am too. Oh, it's the shiny objects, yeah. term, right? Like yeah. you kind of just dance from thing to thing. And uh, for me, you know, I've had a million different ideas as far as like how we should take the business or where we should take the business. And, um, you know, 
focusing is super important. Cause I, I think like within pickleball specifically, like we have this big audience, there are so many different, like we could go do events if we wanted to. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody about launching another podcast yesterday. Uh, we're really thinking seriously about, um, acquiring an e-com business, mm. a course business, mm. um, hiring to just go deeper in what we're already doing, publish more, mm. put more blogs out there. Right. So thinking about asking the critical question, like what is the ultimate goal? Well, the ultimate goal is to make a more profitable and bigger business. Right. And to do that, you need to be able to monetize. And so while some of these things are super exciting, you have to be practical. Like what is at, what can you actually execute in the near term? Um, and monetize at the end of the day. I, I think like being really cognizant of time allocation in relation to money, mm. because ultimately we're trying to build a business and make a profitable company in a, in a big business. And um, you need money to do that. So while maybe launching another podcast is a really fun thing that I think our audience would love, is it worth the time? Mm. Is it? And so I have to ask that question constantly uh, because I, very much suffer from um, shiny object syndrome. <laughs> and then how do you go about saying, all right, we're going to raise funds now. We're going to raise yeah. venture capital money. Like that's a whole different ball game. It seems like. Yeah. I think part of it was, um, and is no matter how successful we are in pickleball, how big can a business be in a niche like that? So mm -hmm. we're constantly coming up against the natural ceiling of pickleballs like how big pickleball is right at the present moment yeah it's not factoring and, in where it's gonna go right and the ceiling keeps raising right so um you know our opportunity within the space is only going to continue to get bigger but right now we kind of have this playbook i think i understand how to build an audience uh write a great publication put a really cool spin and voice on it and do something different and unique and i think we can apply that to these other sports markets and that's how you build a bigger, broader business versus just like a lifestyle business in this niche. Mm. So that was the premise for um, going to raise funds and going after these other sports. Cause I think we can do it. I think I understand the roadmap. I have the blueprint, we have our test case. So, um, you know, while I am still young and have this energy, let's go seize the opportunity now. Uh, versus, you know, maybe in 10 years from now when I have a family and maybe I'm not as, as energized, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about seizing the opportunity, but being mindful of where the opportunity actually is. Um, yeah. What's been the biggest mistake you've made over the past two years? Yeah, I, so it's the fact that we try to be everything at once in pickleball. Hmm. What should you have done instead? Focused on one thing. Our core revenue driver is the publication, the newsletter, and now the blog. Uh, but I spent so much time trying to be the biggest big Instagram account, the biggest TikTok account, um, trying to be big in every category. At one point, I was like, we need YouTube subscribers. And I wasn't thinking about why we needed YouTube subscribers. We don't need YouTube subscribers. Mm. But I just wanted to be the biggest and the best in everything. Uh, and that came at the detriment of growing our core asset, which is the newsletter. And um, so if I were to go back again, I think we could have actually built a bigger business by honing in on the one thing that makes us the, you know, the most money, right? Mm. 
Um, on the flip side of that, it's really cool to be like the leading voice in the fastest growing sport in the country <laughs> and have the biggest Instagram and the biggest TikTok and the, Do you? And the biggest Twitter. Yeah. You have the biggest of all those the biggest three. blog and the biggest newsletter. Yeah. So all of that leads to the opportunity of you getting tapped on the shoulder to go to Arthur Ashe to broadcast exactly. like yeah it all leads to that right <laughs> okay. so like if you just focus strictly on the newsletter and maybe that is twice as big or three times as big yeah but those channels aren't built out then maybe the other opportunities true. like kd doesn't very true. come to play right yeah, yeah definitely like if we weren't perceived as the biggest brand in all these categories maybe these doors would have never opened mm -hmm. um so yeah I, like if i were a private equity guy and i'm like you know how do we just cut costs and be profitable. Uh, I would have been like newsletter. Right. Um, but if I'm somebody who's a creative, which I am, uh, doing all these other things, I think has led to all these, these other opportunities. And, um, yeah, I think we could have done it in either order. Uh, we could have tried to be everything at once and did exactly what we did, or we could have focused just on become a way bigger newsletter and then just, leverage that audience to launch the other things and probably be, you know, we're the same spot mm. in all the other channels that we are now. Um, so what percentage are you creator and what percentage are you business builder? Uh, yeah, I love like to just, if I could every morning, I would just like wake up and like make memes and like videos. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so fun to create like a fun piece of content that people react to. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like, we got to make sure our customers are, are paying and we're fulfilling our obligation. So I have to kind of tap myself on the shoulder and be like, yo, dude, do the business thing today. You got to do the business thing. So I've gotten better at that. Um, I think probably for the first year, I was like, we'll monetize later. And we'll, it'll come. Um, and now I'm more like, let's do the business thing right. And when I do have time, I still go make the memes and stuff. But, you know, we have people managing our social and creating content for us. And so I don't have to do that as much. Um, but that's the part you love. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, so I try and do both and I try and balance them. But being cognizant of, you know, how do we build a good business at the end of the day? Um, I love writing blogs uh, and writing blogs on interesting topics and, and watching the engagement and the reaction and the conversation that stems from that. Uh, so still try and do that. Um, but just, it's just less these days. I'm about 25% way through Michael Bloomberg's autobiography. And it was interesting him hearing him talk about how the first five years of building Bloomberg were actually the most exciting and fulfilling and the good old days. And, yeah. and the, the time when he was doing the most work, he was sweeping the floors. He yeah. was every little part of the operation he had his hands on. Yeah. And it was really hard for him to let yeah. go of that. Are you starting to feel and sense that as, as uh, yeah. the thing has grown? Definitely. Yeah. I think everybody has that. Right. Um, Cause that's the passion side of it. Right. That's the stuff that you wake up excited to do every morning. Um, so yeah, I, I think it just, again, being able to sort of step outside of it, and look at things objectively and say, you know, is it worth spending the time in this? Cause you know, yeah, it's, it's great for like our social media for me to go make a bunch of memes and stuff. Right. But ultimately what does that, what does that get us? Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I, for a while I was trying to build a business in a way where like the operations do them like does itself. Mm -hmm. Right. And the business to use the term from a fork and kind of like be on autopilot. So I can just do the shit that I like to do, which is like, you know, podcasting, like making fun clips and like writing blogs and creating content. Cause that is so much fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess you just got to find that balance. But I would like to always have that opportunity to do the creative stuff because uh, that's what's most fun for me. But I do like building the business too, right? Like there is an element of creativity in that as well, building the, the bigger business and the operational stuff. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well... It's really cool watching you build it and I'm really excited to see where it ends up after, you know, it's been two years and it sounds like, and looks like it's been made some incredible progress. And yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes and, and it's cool to be in, in the beginning stages of it. So thank you for being here. And I like to end these podcasts with a, a challenge for people because you listen and okay. you learn or you don't learn, but then you end the podcast with the challenge. And so I'm curious from you, is there any, a challenge that comes to mind for you to help people build a business or to help people be the greatest yeah. version of themselves? Yeah. So I spoke to an undergrad class, an entrepreneurship class the other day at Texas. And, um, you know, they just want, it was like, Hey, come in and tell them about your business. Right. And, uh, the one thing I wanted to leave them with was sort of like this concept of Anybody can start a business and you don't have to go all in. You can do something on the side and just see where it goes. So I guess my challenge would be, um, you know, if you are somebody who kind of has that itch to maybe go start your own thing, do it. Just start small, do it on the side. You don't have to quit your job. Just go try something, mm. find something that kind of speaks to you and launch it and just see what happens, right? You can test the waters and not go all in. And if you don't like it, you say, okay, cool. Like, that's not for me. But at least you like learned and you sort of start to scratch that itch and see if it's for you. So um, that would be my challenge. Go try something. Start something on the, on the side. Start small and just see what works. Thank you so much for spending the time here today. Where should we yeah. send people to connect with you further? Yeah, um... I don't know. Read my newsletter on Twitter. <laughs> we'll <laughs> link it below. That's my thing. Because I think there's an R or an E that's missing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right. Well, the the character count that was limited. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't really. I'm not that great of a tweeter anyway. I don't tweet that much. Um, but yeah, go to the dinkpickleball.com. Learn about pickleball, fastest growing sport in the country. Um, and I think it's only going to get bigger. So, oh, there's no doubt about that. It seems like it's a sport destined to rise, and yeah, you'll be. Riding those coattails all the way to the yeah. top. I like to say we're just riding the wave. <laughs> we're riding the wave of pickleball right now, and it's it's a it's a fun wave to to ride. So, hell yeah! Well, thank you for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me.